Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Auto Central, South Africa's number one motoring podcast. My name is George Mini, and as usual, joined by Wandile Sishi, and uh, we're in a different studio today. Yeah, it's like uh, we're playing musical studios, yeah. Yes. Each week, it's a, it's a new one. Yes, but, uh, so we, we're, having, we're having some work done uh, on our main studio, so, uh, so we've gone to the secondary studio. Yeah. Which, we're familiar office. with it, so you know, it's, it feels like home. Yeah, it does because we started out here, I think, and uh, you know, it was uh, it was our our first couple of episodes yeah. uh, were done right here, as a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so anyway, today's episode. Getting right into it. Oh wait, before we go to today's episode, well done, Mister Hamilton. I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of of LH44. Um, what a race! It wasn't just him. I think the entire field yeah. delivered yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, I'm 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 really gutted that Norris. Yeah, lost. Yeah. I but mean, he, he really, he really deserved to he to did. win that race. But he, he took, did. he made a like, and it just shows you in F one, like yeah. one little decision. Yeah, the team said to him, uh, well, they asked him, what, what, yeah. you know, what, what do you think's going, on, you on, think's going track, on, yeah. on the track? Lando, what do you think about it, Inter? What do you think about it, in Inter? No. And he made the call to to stay uh, out. To yeah. stay out. Uh, no, no, let's ride it out. Let's ride it out. Yeah. And um, we saw Brad Binder do the same thing, and he came out. He came out stronger a few weeks ago. So look, well, Schumacher. Schumacher's done it. Michael Schumacher. Yeah, he did it in the a day. Of, yeah. yeah, he did it a few times where he was like, "I'm staying out on slicks." Um, but I think it takes a, s- a special driver and a special experience. like experience yeah. to to be able to pull that off. Definitely. And I'm not so sure. Norris quite had it. Look, he's um, he's learned the lesson now, and I think he's gonna come out stronger. But let's see what happens in the next race. I think it's gonna be an exciting be. few races. Left. And and how's Verstappen coming from last to yeah. on the podium? People are understates how incredible that is. Unbelievable. Um, but I mean, Hamilton's done it before. Shoemaker yeah, yes. did it in his day. That's true. Uh, you know, so the the, the, the great well. the great drivers did it. And how's George Russell? Yeah, uh, I mean, he's he's had, you know it's it's crazy. I know we're going on a tangent here, but he's gone. He's had the same amount of points in the last, I think, six races as Perez, um, in arguably one of the worst cars on the on the grid. So he's another person who's gonna you know no, shake he's gonna up he's gonna year. shake it up next year. I think he's gonna give all Hamilton a bit of a go. But anyway, we're not here to talk about F one. We're we're here to talk about the Drive to Survive episode. Nothing to do with the TV series yeah. or Netflix. Uh, uh, that F one series, which was very good. I watched it. Yeah. Um, Drive to Survive. You should go and watch it. But uh, but we 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 coined this episode Drive to Survive. And how do you drive to make your car survive? Yeah. That was uh, that was the reason we put this together. And then later on in the show, Sean Nurse will join us to unpack uh, the capable 2021 Mazda BT50, which is a Bucky. South mm-hmm. Africa's most loved segment is Bucky's. And then lastly, and as usual, we'll be answering some of your Ask Auto Trader questions from our platform. So let's get straight into it, uh, uh, Wendy. Uh, what are some of the things that you would recommend people avoid? In order to, to make the car survive. Yeah, in order to make the car survive, you know, um, I, I mean, we've we've touched on some of these topics before. Where, yeah. uh, you know, how to how to save fuel, how to drive efficiently, but yeah. some things, when done, I think um, damage your your car. Yeah, I think today's episode is more about the things that people don't even realize that they're doing. But you know, something that I want to point out is just checking what fuel goes in your car. That that's the one thing that you know puts a lot of fear in my heart. Um, and I know that's something that you don't even have to worry about anymore. So I'm so jealous that you don't have to deal with that. But that's for me. That's uh, definitely oh, you, something to you avoid. talk like that. Don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> Where's it gonna go? <laughs> don't tell anyone. But uh, I had to. I had to drive a petrol car yesterday. 
Um, and uh, and I got into this petrol car, and uh, it was it, first of all, it was like relearning to yeah. uh, to drive. And I know it's been a short time since the EV, but it was like relearning because the car coasts. Uh, yeah. You have to use the brake pedal. It's um, a completely different experience because I've actually never personally driven uh, in, in a fully electric car. I've driven you? a hybrid. Okay. Um, and was using hybrid energy at the time. It wasn't in full um, electric mode. Oh, we've got to get you into an electric car. Yeah, you promised. So, you yes. Know. <laughs> uh, I'm saying that on air now. We've got, to get you, we've got to get you to drive one at least. Is there anything that you would, uh, you know, kind of off the top of your head, tell people to avoid doing um well with an ev let's uh, i'll get to that last okay. and people can wait till the, oh, yeah. to the to the end of the end of the episode but yeah. uh, uh but i had to drive a petrol car yesterday yeah. and it was it was almost like unlearning what i'd learned to do with uh with my jaguar yeah, i-pace yeah. um so uh so what you know um bad driving habits or not driving habits but bad habits in your car could lower the f- the resale value of your car in the long term, you know. Definitely. And, uh, so let's let's talk about a couple of those things. What are the we've put we've put together some of the things that could be uh, happening, mm. um, uh, unknowingly as you put it. Um, yeah. The first thing is um, dragging the brakes. So that's something that I actually do. Um, so I remember when I saw this, I was like, "No way! Is this destroying my vehicle?" Um, but I think it's it's something that people dragging the brakes downhill, downhill specifically. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I think I did it like a few days ago when I was in Bosonia. Um, I was going down a hill and I was, you know, trying to be safe almost. Um, so you're just touching the brake pedal the whole time, consistently, consistently yeah. touching it. So what is, what is the right thing to do? Uh, so it turns out you're supposed to almost feather yeah, your brake pedal and, and a very low gear. So you don't have to constantly be braking. So the lower your gears are, the more the car kind of assists you, um, in slowing down the vehicle. Yes. Um, and that's a nice way to just let the, the brakes cool down a little bit so you're not putting so much pressure on them. Because yeah. You mean a high gear, not a low gear? And no, I think it is a low gear. I think low gear with to, high revs? You're supposed to engage a low gear yeah. and just kind of coast down the hill. Okay. Um, and that saves your... Yeah, so engine, engine, engine braking. So yeah, you exactly know, that. Food off the fuel, you've got engine braking going on, and then you say feather the brakes. Yeah. Um, not necessarily, you know, because the car, it does help. Well, I suppose what's happening when you drag the brakes, mm. uh, is you heating, you're heating the, the brakes. you're heating the brake pads, you're yeah. heating the, the, uh, the brake discs, exactly. you're putting extra wear and tear on, um, you know, I, I once, I once drove like one, of, I used to have a, a, you know, the, the golf, uh, one of the golf ones. I didn't yeah. have the GTI, I had a 1500 golf one, yeah. um, back in the day. And, um, and, uh, and I got to drive a GTI. Um, which was the old Golf 1 GTI. Okay. The problem with that car was the brakes. What was wrong with the brakes? If you drove that car for its power, okay. eventually you would run out of brakes. Yeah, that makes it sense. Would, it that would, makes because, sense. Because of the heat, because it the starts heat, yeah. to boil the um, uh, the brake fluid, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and eventually it feels like a sponge. You just can't stop the car. And maybe we can ask Sean a bit later about that. But, uh, but yeah, dragging yeah, I mean, the brakes he, he down. He races cars, so he, he'll probably give us a, you know, um, some some tips. Yeah, your brake pedal starts to get a bit spongy. So dragging the brakes downhill, that's uh, uh, that's a problem. Don't do it. Puts heat into the system. Yeah. Damage potentially damages your brake discs. Wears your brake pads out sooner. Use the engine to brake. And yeah, I feather think your, your drivetrain also will have a huge impact on exactly how much you can be saving ultimately um, your brake pads. Because I know an EV, completely different story. It's a different exactly. way of doing it as well there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's quite interesting. Of you know these things that you think. Or you start applying, like you're saying, you just drove a petrol car. You start applying 
those principles. In other cars, and yeah. it's like, no, it's, doesn't it's work not, that way. Uh, it's detrimental, yeah. Then resting your hand on the gear lever. So, how many people do that? You sit and you drive and you rest your hand on the gear lever. Now, I don't know if this goes for an automatic car with a gear lever because now yeah. traditional gear levers are like a probably a thing of the past. You've got buttons and dials mm. and stuff. So, um, but if you've got a traditional manual, manual car, yeah. resting your hand on the gear lever apparently is bad for the car. Look, I don't think it's going to be like. I don't think it's going to ruin your car. It might. Who knows? I think with enough. You've got a heavy hand. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) And it's crazy because I I drive an automatic um, and I actually rest my hand on on the gear lever. I don't know if an automatic is. I don't think it impacts. I don't don't know if it impacts. Maybe again, we can ask Sean when he comes on. But it's a habit. Um, Once again, it's something that I've I've taken from basically just watching TV and driving my friend's cars. And when I I started driving, I, you know, kind of, you know, do that. And now I learned that that's a. it's a, it's it's a bad habit. So, so what what actually happens is, um, as you rest your hand on the gear stick, yeah. uh, there uh, it 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 puts pressure on what's what's called the selector fork at the bottom, mm-hmm. and uh, and that selector fork uh, there is not supposed to be engaged all the time. It's actually yeah. only supposed to be engaged uh, um, uh, some of the time when you're actually changing gears. Yeah. Other than that, it's just resting there and it puts pressure. And I mean, I'm pretty sure you can feel if you're dri- when I've driven manual cars in the past is if you put pressure on the gear stick, you can feel the rotation of the shafts. No, you, you can, you can feel the, 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 the slight vibration and, and that's what's then putting wear into, into that, uh, that selector fork. And I know uh, there's, mechanisms. there's, there's also some gears where if you, you have to press it down to actually engage the reverse, it's reverse gear. Yeah. So in um, an Opal, you pull the selector up. Up, yeah. And Whereas Golfs down. and VWs, you, VWs, you push into the uh, into the floor to select reverse. And that could be another problem that you you're trying to avoid is accidentally engaging the reverse. No, you can't. I don't think you can. Well, uh, you'd have to, yeah, you'd have to kind of move it around. But I mean, it's it's. You a, can't. It's, I'm pretty sure you can't engage reverse when you're going. Like, Ask a South African. I, you know, um, uh, challenge well, accepted. We'll see. We'll see. I'm sure there's somebody who's. Whoa. who's, who's I mean, I've got a, I've got a story of, of on an EV <laughs> on that, but I'm pretty sure in a petrol engine car you can't do it. But uh, um, and then flooring the accelerator in a high gear. So what what do we mean by high gear? Um, high gear is when the revs are low. Yeah. So you're in fifth okay. gear. You're in fifth um, gear. Revs. You're in fourth gear, yeah. and the revs are like 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 RPM, yeah. and then you floor the car. I think what happens is you cause what's called a bearing knock. Would this be in a scenario where you, for instance, on the highway and you're moving at a certain speed and you just kind of take off your foot off the accelerator and you land in the car coasted in fifth gear? For in instance. fifth gear, yes. And now you want to start accelerating again. Yeah. But you don't go down to like a third gear. You don't, you don't get, you don't pick the revs up before you put your foot yeah, down. Exactly. Um, so, so the, the engine's not designed to operate at those low RPMs. What is the like the? the I would risk? I would Im- oh I think it causes bearing knock. Um, uh, What's bearing knock? Is that like a? Well, the, the, on the on the on the ends of your conrods. Yeah. Um, probably too much detail, but on the ends of your conrods are um, are bearings that are around the crankshaft. Okay. 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 And the crankshaft. This is what makes a, an ice vehicle so inefficient, is because there's so many there's Loss so many like energy no switches in the direction of the motion so yeah. you can imagine the engine the pistons are going up and down yeah okay that is to turn the crankshaft to spin yeah so now you've got to create this elliptical motion okay so now you've got to turn an up and down motion into a turning motion and that's where the bearings come in on the crankshaft that turning motion then has to drive the gearbox in a turning motion and some engines are mounted 
transverse or across the fr- engine bay. A lot of engines are yeah. because they can't fit in uh, uh, in, in, in like the, a vertical sort of well in, in straight. Yeah. So therefore, now you've got to you've got to again use a bunch of gears to change the direction. That's what makes the ice vehicle so efficient, but inefficient. But at the but bottom now, at the bottom of the crankshaft, yeah. you have uh, these little um, bearings that you th- these bearings. The crank, uh, um, I think they're called big end bearings. Um, and, and, and when the piston is moving very slowly and you put your foot down, it causes the knock on those bearings. And that's going to damage. Causes wear. Yes. Too much information, but yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll have, you know, we have some great editors, so they'll put some, some, some graphics there. Well, yeah, I don't think you can do it in modern cars, to be yeah, honest. Probably not. Yeah. And then overloading. What about overloading? I mean, it, it, this makes sense. Um, I've seen it many times. I have family in Mozambique. Um, and I mean, you can just see the strain of the car. You visually, you can see the strain of the cars in people, when you overload. People go to Tile Africa and, and, in, and they put like, I mean, just one box of tiles. Yeah. You put five boxes of tiles in there and you're way overloaded. You can see, you can, yeah. see, you can actually see visi- visibly that the cars is overloaded. under serious strain. Yeah. And that has so many implications. They're not just, you know, your, your axle, there's so many things that can go wrong because of doing that, especially if you're doing it, you know, many yeah, times. Yeah. I've seen, uh, I've seen station wagons where people load too much weight in the back, where yeah. the actual car seems like it's bent. Literally, literally you can actually see. I've seen buckies do that, yeah. you know, where yeah, it like, seems like the chassis or something is, is, is bent. So kind yeah. of straightforward, avoid overloading. Well, you'd be surprised that like the car actually can't carry that much weight. You know, it's crazy because cars, you see them doing it. So I think a lot of people get brave seeing Crusaders with, <laughs> with, with, with their, you know, the, the biggest load of, of stuff that people have put inside. So yeah. Shifting from drive into reverse. I've so, never done this before. Um, I found out that I could do it with my Land Rover yeah. while I was still moving. And then the entire drive train locked up. Yeah. I only did it once or twice and then got a fright. Yeah. Um, and it's the dial. So Lucky you weren't moving fast at this point, right? I wasn't moving very fast. Okay. I was like literally. Just like coasting. Not even coasting. Like I was going like not, not five kilometers an hour. Okay. Uh, but as I turned the selector to reverse. You could feel the whole car. The whole car just locked up. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that, that could, that could seriously strip the gears in your, in your gearbox. I think. Yeah. 100%. You know, 100%. Um, I don't think you can do it with manual gearboxes nowadays. Um, revving the engine while cold. Uh, I mean, this is. It's, I think that what is, this has mostly to do with you need the oil to be warm so it can lubricate the rest of your engine. Um, yeah, so, it's, you know, it operates at its, its optimal, you know, optimal level, yeah. Engines are designed to operate at temperature. They're yeah. not designed to operate cold. So yeah. you can imagine your car sitting overnight, it gets cold, all the oil goes to the bottom into the sump, and it's cold. Mm-hmm. Um, now this thick, you know, when something sludge, yeah. sludge is yeah. at the bottom of your sump. Yeah. It's all drained off the pistons uh, or the conrods and the bearings. And now and now you're late for s- the school run. And you try to just make it work like and an you're F1 late car. for work. <laughs> yeah. And you floor it. And now you get serious wear on, uh, uh, on your engine. Steering, yeah. Yeah. Your car's got to be at least, I think, I mean, because I'm, because I'm a pilot, uh, the engine's got to be at least over 50 degrees Celsius before yeah. you can, you can do your takeoff run, yeah. which I'm assuming a car's engine is very similar. Then another one is riding the clutch. Yeah, I mean, please, can you explain this one for me? Because I've never experienced it. Well, it's, it only happens in manual cars, mm-hmm. and that is when you know you you change gears, but you leave your foot lightly on the clutch. Okay, so it's a real thing in the day. Yeah, um, um, especially if you're on a highway and your car's in fifth, you, you you're cruising along, but your foot's lightly on the clutch. So what's happening is your uh, the the clutch um, selector 
is slightly pulling the uh, uh, the clutch into um, into, into the place. Next gear almost, yeah. Well, not into the next gear. The clutch is kind of it's supposed to disengage when yeah. you when you take your foot off. Now, you, what you're doing is you're slightly making making that friction worse. Is it going to cause friction? Is it actually yeah, going to yeah, start yeah. like moving? Okay. Because yeah. when you when when you when you put your foot on the clutch, what happens is the the clutch disengages the gears. Yeah. Um, and it's not supposed to – now, you imagine you put your foot lightly on the clutch. It wants to disengage, but it's not sure yeah. there's wear going on there. I wonder what the monetary value of all of these these things are. I'm pretty sure. You could save. I'm pretty sure you could you could save quite a bit of wear and tear, but also the value of your car. You just it's yeah. an underlying. You know, you take your car to 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 get a road with certificate, and then suddenly, uh, oh, this is wrong. That's wrong. And you have to fix it before you sell it. So before I, I've been waiting. Um, Earlier on, you said that you're gonna give us some details of what what not to do with an EV. Yeah, so let's very quickly before we get Sean on. Um, uh, uh, so the things I've learned with an EV yeah. is uh, using the brakes rather than regenerative braking. Now, all that's going to happen is you Which just you should or you shouldn't use the regenerative oh, braking. You should, you should relearn to drive yeah. without using the brake pedal. I've got this own personal challenge going on where uh, I try not to use the brake pedal. You just let. It's regenerative braking kind of break the car. Yeah. Yeah. So it's much more difficult to do in an ice vehicle. But, uh, uh, but now I can bring the car almost to a dead stop, except if you're going downhill because the car's going to, going to roll. Or moving really fast. Yeah. Um, so try not to use the brake pedal. And you know what I find? Less brake dust on the mags. Um, does that, in terms of it doesn't, regenerating I don't energy, as it recharges the, the batteries, the battery, yes. does it actually? Yes. So, so it's, so it's, so it's good for, you know, recharging the battery, as well as it saves you money on brake pads yeah. and brake discs. And then um, flooring the car all the time. Because of the high power of an EV, you're going to go through tires so like spinning, you can't believe. Is it spinning the tires or is it just like… No, even when you weight. don't. I mean, the, the traction control doesn't allow you to. Okay. But you can imagine the force on the tires yeah. is going to is going to cause Smell. the the tires to wear. And then uh, what I did find in my in my in my uh, EV is that I can switch from drive to reverse or reverse to drive while the car's moving. Yeah, I think we we just kind of you just kind of mentioned how well that I could do that in the Land Rover and grind up the the gearbox. Okay. Yeah. In the EV, nothing happens oh, okay. except if you put your foot on the accelerator. That's interesting. Then the polarity is reversed and you like should you spin your tires once way? I don't know, I haven't tried. <laughs> I don't want to damage the car. So, what about um there's this myth that towing is you know some people say you can, some people say you can't. Apparently it's not recommended. I mean remember okay. the I pace is two I think it's two point one, two point two tons. The yeah. battery's a big thing. Um and already there's a challenge with weight. Um so while I think EVs are ideal for towing because of the torque, of, yeah. Uh, exactly. you know. Uh, it's apparently not recommended, but you can. So if yeah. you if you really really wanted to, it's not that you. I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, if the if the OEM doesn't recommend it, don't do it. Yeah, do it. I'm not going to do it. Not yet, at least. I'm sure exactly. eventually we'll be able to, to get to that point. So let's get Sean Nurse onto uh, the screen and uh, let's review the 2021 Mazda BT50. Awesome. And Sean is with us in the <laughs> studio. There we go. So uh, welcome, Sean, uh, our very own expert journalist, Sean Nurse, um, uh, in studio virtually with us um, to uh, uh, review the 2021 Mazda BT50, which is a bucky. Uh, Sean, this is like, first of all, welcome back to the to the show. But uh, this is an unusual car for you to have reviewed. I mean, we're used to seeing you in <laughs> Porsches and and mustangs and and you know the seriously like 
uh, fast sports, sports, sports yeah. exotic cars. What's happening with this BT50? <laughs> yeah, so it's good to be back on the show. Um, I have to sort of open up my horizons yeah, and test everything, I suppose. But yeah, I am quite a Bucky guy. I do like my Buckies anyway. And the BT50 is quite an anticipated product because it's a drastic change from its predecessor. It's no longer based on the Ford Ranger platform. It's now based on the upcoming Isuzu platform. We'll see the new D-Max coming to South Africa. Mm. Um, so I was quite excited to get behind the wheel of the BT50. So nice. the BT50 has been, you know, I think a lot of people, I think any sort of double cab that comes into the market, you have to talk about the Ranger, the Hilux, the Amarok. Um, but now... We have the P-Series, which we had, you know, previously. And I'm not sure if you've driven that car, but does this stack up to these old legends, um, if you would, if you would, you know, kind of put it that way? Yeah, this car, I was actually quite disappointed with the BT-50, I'm sorry to say. Um, it's based on, as I say, the Isuzu platform, but that platform itself is still quite old. They have updated it. Um, versus the previous Isuzu, but you're still getting essentially the same platform. And biggest issue I had with the car was its ride quality. I know mm. Bucky's with leaf spring rear suspensions are not known for their great ride quality, but this is definitely worse than other Bucky's with leaf sprung um, rear suspension. Why, why do you, why do you think that is? I'm not sure. I don't think that it's been calibrated or tested properly for South African roads. I think that may be the reason why oh. Isuzu have delayed the introduction of their D-Max. They're doing local testing to make sure it's possibly better suited for local roads. Um, the ride gets better as you add load to the back, but it's still not great. It's just there's a lot of bounce going on, you know, yeah. when you're driving down. And all, yeah. Unless you have a perfectly smooth road, ride quality is not great. Okay, that's very interesting. And uh, um, okay, so besides ride quality, power, uh, um, and uh, you know, power output as well as uh, um, interior quality, you know, what, what was your sense there? And I mean, I know it's difficult for you, you know, having been inside the likes of Porsches and and exotic cars. So, uh, so it's difficult to kind of compare. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I, I was saying to Wendy earlier on in the show, I had to drive a petrol car yesterday, and and it was like it was it was so, so different, far, yeah. yeah. And and the car was it felt so underpowered, um, <laughs> but in the meantime, it was just going back to a nice vehicle. So uh, so, what is the interior like and the um, actual power output? Yes, I can imagine going from an EV to a petrol car is a bit of a change. The EV is so instantaneous. That's what's so great about them. Exactly. Um, but powertrain-wise, that's actually where I was super impressed with the product. It's still got the old three-liter inline four-cylinder diesel engine. It's a bit gruff, but it's got a new turbocharger. produces 140 kilowatts and 350 newton meters of torque. It's paired to a six-speed automatic gearbox. And I think that this car performs better than a Hilux and the bi-turbo wow. Ranger. It just felt a hell of a lot more um, sprightly than the other buckies and i've recently drove the storm track and i can tell you the this bt50 is um quite potent i wasn't really expecting it they've definitely done a little bit more than a turbocharger from from uh from what i can tell from an interior perspective if you like the current mazda design uh direction i yeah. think you'll be impressed as pretty good quality um, fairly basic and utilitarian it's still even at nearly 800,000 rand featured cloth seats it's got a reasonably good infotainment system with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. 
Um, don't think it's the best specified product on the market, having looked at the uh, competitors that are at a similar price. But if you're a Mazda fan, you'll definitely be at home inside. It definitely looks like other Mazda products inside. So I think they've done a good job from that perspective and from an exterior perspective. I think it looks pretty good. But obviously, that's subjective. Based on the two things that you've just said now, so you've said that the ride quality is not great. However, it's extremely powerful. Is this yeah. vehicle built more for someone who's going to be off-roading, for instance, versus someone who's going to be using it as a daily driver, you know, taking the kids to school? So I think conversely, the the way that Mazda's marketed the product is as a lifestyle product that you would be using on a daily basis for things like the school run, but then also with the ability to go off-road. So mm. for That's me, the similar. monkey's sitting in a kind of, no man's land at the moment because utilitarian ride quality of the bt50 doesn't really match the interior and exterior styling and i think also the marketing spiel provided by mazda they're trying to bring the car across as being this lifestyle 4x4 bucky that's quite premium sort of in the same way volkswagen have marketed the amarok but then you've got this ride quality and a powertrain that is more suited to someone who's going to be using the bucky more for off-roading and potentially uh, a more utilitarian purpose. So for me, the the Bucky didn't really make sense um, in that regard. And it's um, quite expensive too, nearly 800,000 Rand. Um, So I think that Maz have got some hard thinking to do and they maybe need to, to redevelop uh, suspension on the, on the product for local markets. That's very interesting. So, uh, so finally then Sean, what would you give this Bucky out of 10? Look, I don't think it's a particularly bad Bucky. Um, I'd give it 6 out of 10 um, mm-hmm. because I think they really need to to look at what they want to offer the, the local consumer because I think the product doesn't really know what it is at this point. Well, that's very interesting. 6 out of 10. What uh, uh, do Have we got any other Buckies on the list that we could compare to? Yeah, I mean, we had, uh, as mentioned before, we had the P-Series. That was actually a 7, um, okay. which was priced a lot less. And I think you know that's something that a lot of people praised because it was so cheap. You had the quality, but it was also very capable. Uh, cheap isn't the word I would use, though. Cheaper. Cheaper. Uh, definitely it's, cheaper. It's than... more cost-effective. It's yeah. probably the <laughs> yes. politically correct thing to say. But, uh, but yeah, okay. So P-Series was seven, and Sean's scoring this a six. I'm assuming, Sean, is because of the bouncy back suspension. Yeah, it's uh, mostly the right quality, and there's just uh, and the price point. no cohesion. Yeah, no cohesion with what the product offers, I think. Interesting, interesting stuff. Okay, so before we let you go, uh, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier and uh, we asked a couple of questions uh, around, um, you know, uh, wear and tear on, on cars. And there was just one question that, uh, that Wendy had, and that is, um, uh, uh, and that is bearing knock. He says, what is bearing knock? So I, I explained what bearing, what I thought bearing knock was, which is kind of like, you know, at low revs, you put your foot down and yeah. uh, you can get bearing knock. I mean, am I, am I describing it right? Yeah, on the big end bearings, yeah. Like if you've got your car in an excessively low or high gear and you're loading the motor too much, you can get some bearing knock. Um, Which causes a lot of wear. Products, a, lot of, a lot of Subaru and BMW products suffer from big end bearing knock on, yeah, need a new crankshaft and it's quite a big build. So. 
Don't do it. Don't, don't do, do, it. do it. So don't, do it. Don't, don't do it. Exactly. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to learn more about uh, all things car related and uh, see more of Sean Nurse's uh, reviews, go to autotrader.co.za and uh, go to the news and review section and uh, you can go and do your research before you buy yeah. your next car. And uh, very interesting. You know, we've only got a couple of minutes to spend with Sean, but uh, there are plenty of reviews there of uh, uh, by our, should I say, other expert journalists as well as Sean, and uh, and they give you their opinion. And remember, it's their opinion, so you've got to factor that in. And they're experts; they do this for a living. Uh, you've got to factor that into everything else you you yeah. figure out. So go on to autotrader.co.za and go and have a look at the news and review section, and go and uh, make make up your own mind. Thanks very much, Sean, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Cheers. All right, so uh, that uh, concludes the review of the BT50 50 50 yeah. Mazda 2021. Um, yeah. yeah, Bucky's Bucky's are South African things, I guess. You know, six out of ten. Two reasons. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know. I thought, would, I thought it would do better. Honestly, I thought it would, it would do a little bit better. Rear suspension, price point. Well, yeah, that's that makes sense now. Uh, I didn't know it was that much. So eight hundred thousand uh, rand. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, so everyday people send auto trader motoring related questions, all things car buying and selling, and Wendy and I will now attempt to answer three of your burning questions. What's the first question, Wendy? First question is from Jaram, who's asked car losing water. So they bought a twenty fifteen VW, um, and it's still under the service plan from VW. I've over the past few weeks have noticed that the car keeps losing water. We can't really identify what's going on, um, but they just know that obviously losing water is not great. And it doesn't seem like there's any leaks. Is there any way of Definitively understanding where this leak um, or where this, lo- this water loss is coming from. Well, Joe Ram, uh, I think, you know, first of all, uh, it's a 2015, a secondhand polar, obviously. Mechanically, these cars were very robust um, yeah. uh, from speaking to our expert journalists on the, your very question. Um, and, uh, you know, losses of coolant isn't typical of these cars. So you seem to have another problem, which uh, probably is unique to that particular car. I start with the coolant cap. Yeah. Um, oftentimes the, the, the seal on the coolant cap uh, goes, uh, you know, and then, and then most of the time when coolant leaks out of a car, I mean, it's a, it's a sealed system. You, you see the coolant. Exactly where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So especially the next morning when the car's cooled down and it's dry, you'll see there's, it leaves white marks mm. where the, where the leak is. So you could, you could look for that. Um, you know, um, alternatively go and, uh, uh, take the car to a franchise dealer and ask them to leak detect. Yeah, because uh, they put, they put the system under pressure while the car's standing and, uh, and they can, they can detect where the leak is. Sense. Next question. Next question is from Rob Deering, um, who's asked, Hi there. Under lockdown, my car battery has died. Is there any way to restore it properly? Not just in the short term. Well, uh, short answer, Robberini, is that uh, there is very little chance of you restoring that battery. Um, you can't properly restore a rundown car battery, especially the lead acid type, yeah. um, because as it loses charge, the chemical reaction inside the battery uh, leads to the formation of what's called lead sulfite crystals in the electrolyte mixture, which then deposit um, on the internal electrode plates of the battery. Now, it's all technical stuff, but the battery yeah. plates bend, uh, and you can't unbend them. Um, so uh, this causes permanent damage to a lead-acid battery. So unfortunately, there is, replaced, you yeah. have to replace it. And most the, most of the time, this happens after winter. Mm-hmm. I just replaced the battery in my, um, in my aircraft mm-hmm. after winter because – um, winter causes the battery to heat up, cool down, and um, and that causes damage uh, as well. So besides letting the battery run down, but uh, but yeah, there's nothing much you can really do. 
Next I think question. this question, because specifically speaking about lockdown, so you're saying it's not necessarily a lockdown-related problem. It could be... It could be anything. Many, yeah, uh, it could be just coming out of winter. Okay. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be lockdown. Last question is from Rochelle, who's asked, I'd like to know if a car that is financed by a bank um, requires a technical and roadworthy certificate. Um, so essentially, Rochelle financed a vehicle um, seven months ago. And has only done 6,800 Ks in it. But after the 150,000 kilometer service, they noticed that there were some issues with the car after the diagnosis was done. Um, and they want to know if, because it's been seven months, if they can essentially get their, you know, get that money back that they, they lost. Well, I mean, there's a bit of a disconnect here between the requiring a technical roadway certificate, uh, um, versus kind of claiming money back. So, you know, um, you know, when, when the car, changes hands you have to have a road with certificate yeah. but um, on the question of the seven months and 6,800 k's over the car's warranty or service plan unfortunately that is too long gone to mm. uh, be able to claim anything um, um, you've left it for too long Rochelle yeah. and that's it that's all the questions I have well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of another Auto Central show. And uh, let's see what Hamilton does next time. Yeah. 